That's Lil Becky, of that Molly Water, yeah Of that Molly Water, and I don't fit it Don't know how I'm earthbound, but I'm ready So much water on me, just like a levy Molly Heart, Molly Water, water 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 She say she won't pop a Molly I just took some damn ecstasy, I'm floating out my body what is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Galley Place podcast. Arden and Dama back on the show. It is Tuesday, October 4th, and we are going to be going over a few different topics today. We're going to talk about the preseason, the two Wizards and Warriors games that were in Japan. We're going to go over some Twitter questions or thoughts that you guys had for us. And then at the end, we're going to continue our Eastern Conference uh, team previews. And today we're going to do the Boston Celtics. And then if we have some extra time at the end, we're going to do the Bucks as well. But first, Dama, my man, the, the Wizards had two games in Japan against the Golden State Warriors. They lost both of them, but uh, I, I think I came away more encouraged than discouraged, generally speaking. But... How did you feel about the the two showings in Japan? Yeah, I mean, I felt I felt pretty good, honestly, about both. Um, you know, the fourth quarters aside, like in the, in the meat of the game where the starters were subbing in and out, and you know they were playing for real. Uh, you know, key rotation guys were playing. The Wizards looked competitive. Like you, you saw glimpses of you know things that you know, give you some optimism for for what this team could be if they stay healthy. Like, you saw Bradley Beal uh, actually being engaged on the defensive end. Um, you saw them running pick and rolls with Beal and KP, getting that synergy going. Um, you saw Rui at times look like the best player on the floor, you know, grabbing a rebound, attacking, attacking the rim in transition, and just being an athlete. Um, and it looks like he still has that three ball. So if he can mesh all these things together, you know, uh, contract gear Rui, that could be a, a, a blessing for the Wizards. And then, um, you know, and then in the second game, like, they were blowing the Warriors out. Like, they were up 16, you know, when Steph was in the game. And, you know, you were playing against starters. So uh, to me, they, they look good. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to take much out of preseason, but you know they they didn't they look like a real basketball team. So uh, I'll take that. The one positive takeaway that I really liked the first game was they did an excellent job on Steph Curry. I'm looking at yeah. the the box score now. Just to, because after the game, I was like, let me go confirm to make sure that they actually boxed him up pretty good. And he was only one for seven. Um, one for four from three. So I thought that they did an exceptional job with the game plan on him. Um, The second game he had, I think, 17 points in 18 minutes or something like that. So they didn't come out with the same game plan. I was noticing that early on. So I think maybe that was more of a, okay, a lot of these fans came to see Steph Curry, so let's just kind of just not put so much attention on him. And um, Of course, they were there to see Rui too, but anytime the defending champs play – in uh, in another country, especially with such a popular figure like Steph Curry, you know, fans are definitely going to come out. I, I reckon that's probably the main reason why the fans showed up. Um, maybe it was Rui, but I I bet you it was Curry and the Warriors. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, the first game they they DeLon Wright specifically. Uh, his his defense is just. He didn't uh, need it. Yeah, he he just really man. He he's a I, I call him a disruptor. Like he, you're not gonna play with the ball in front of him. He's gonna blow up screens. He's gonna get in passing lanes. You know, it was plays that he made where he didn't come away with the steal or a block, but it caused the team to get out of rhythm in their set, and then that caused a turnover because a guy don't know where to be or he rushing a pass because you know Delon Wright might have tipped it, and then that causes the next pass to be you know go out of bounds or dribble off my foot and it's just like that's an element that the Wizards were severely missing last year because you didn't really have 
a guy like that. Like their best defender was Denny, and he's a good like man defender. You know, uh, when they're not calling the ticky tack fouls on him, but he's not a guy that's gonna like get in passing lanes, get a lot of steals, and disrupt a offense. And Delon Wright is that guy, while also still being disciplined enough to stay in his spots. You know, he picks he picks and chooses spots to gamble. He's he's really really good with that. Like he, that's a talent that you know doesn't show up on the stat sheet with him. I thought Bradley Beal looked really good in the one game that he played. Um, he looked very sure of himself. He looked confident. Uh, was pretty good scoring the basketball. But I thought decent defensively as well. Second game, Porzingis, 18 points in 21 minutes, along with um, six rebounds, two assists. I also liked his ability to distribute the basketball. Who's my thought looked comfortable? Um, Rui, I thought, looked pretty solid. And we talked about it several times, like, the small forward position is up for grabs. Now, at the end of the day, I still think they're going to roll with Will Barton. But if they do decide to start Denny or Rui or, or Kispert, if you want to include him in the conversation, but specifically here with Rui, I think that you got to come away pretty encouraged with what we saw from the these two preseason games. But this is nothing new. Like we said before, the raw talent-wise – He's the best out of the the draft pick group, like but between him, Kispert, Denny, and Johnny Davis, Rui has the most raw talent. I think is the best for size purposes. I know Denny's maybe a little bit taller, but Rui's definitely got some more. Um, he's he's heavier, which is better for certain purposes. So. Um, you got to come away pretty encouraged, though, I think, with what you saw from Rui. The the three-point shooting wasn't, like, sniper-esque like he was uh, to end the regular season, but I think that that'll come as he gets more reps. But I, I thought for what we asked him to do and for looking to see what we can get out of that other starting wing position, I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, it's it's... It's one of the things I keep going back and forth on because the idea of Rui being that that other forward, if you watching the games, it was Kuzma that was technically the small forward because right. he was the one on the perimeter. He was guarding he was guarding Andrew Wiggins. You had Draymond on Rui. Rui was guarding uh, Draymond. Um, but in, in thinking about it, I think that gives them the best. As far like the the size and positional versatility, because Rui is kind of like he's an ox man, like he's a strong dude, and at six eight two thirty, you're not just gonna move him out the way. It's just him getting his awareness at a level where he can play good team defense. Because one on one, he's a good defender to me. Uh, he matches up well with a lot of wings, um, and especially guys that try to you know kind of power through you. <clears throat> that aren't very shifty, <clears throat> but where he struggles is with the shifty guys and just the awareness, you know, backdoor cuts and, and team defense. So if he can get better there, I, I think it allows the bench to be, to me, one of the better units in the league because now you got DeLon Wright, you got Will Barton as a microwave scorer as, at the two, you got Kispert as a, as a shooter at the three. You can put Denny at, to me, a more natural position for him as that backup power forward. And then you got Daniel Gafford. Like, if you think about that bench unit, that bench unit is basically on par with the the starting unit from a couple years ago, minus Bradley Beal. Like, you know, so that, to me, could be one of the better bench units in the league if you're moving, if you're inserting Rui into that other forward spot next to Kyle Kuzma. All right, we got to talk about it, um, Johnny Davis. And look, I'm I'm not gonna call him a bust, but if there were ever any early indicators that a player was maybe necessarily not going to be good right away, I don't see how you can ignore the summer league. And then it's oh well, it's just summer league. And then now it's preseason. Oh well, the games don't count. He's still a rookie. Yada yada yada. And I. I get it to an extent, but 
and I tweeted this out, but the, the, the frustration can't be with Johnny Davis because Johnny Davis did not draft himself. But if, if where the frustration comes in is in a year where you really needed to compete, you really needed this 10th pick, whoever you got at whatever position, when his name was called, he needed to be able to contribute right away. And if he's been basically forced into playing point guard because he can't do anything off the ball, but he has no ability to create space or handle the ball all that well at the NBA level, I'm just not quite sure what his role is going to be. Like, really? I'd probably honestly just rather have Troy Brown. So I don't. I don't know what exactly his role is going to be in the regular season, but as of now, man, it just it doesn't look good at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't want to be too hard on the guy because I've said a lot of my piece on Twitter. Um, but, you know, and, and you know what my eval on him was before we took him, you know, but it's just like. Man, I mean, all you got to do is just listen to the coaches. L- listen, listen to Wes. Like, listen to Tommy. Like, you heard what those guys were saying when they drafted him. You know, I felt like they drafted him with the idea that he was going to play this year. That he was going to be, he was going to fight for for that backup two-guard spot um, or that third-guard spot. Um, to spell minutes for Beal or the point guard and kind of work, you know, can play with either Brad or Monte um, as an off guard or on the ball um, as a guy that can defend. And then they watched him in summer league and you just saw the, the quotables now are totally different. The energy is totally different. It's, oh, you know, he's struggling with the physicality. You know, we're going to develop him. You know, when before Tommy had his chest out, was like, yeah, he could, he got some dog in him. He could play the point guard. He could play both guard spots. You know, we got some plans for him. Like, it was all of this before they drafted him. And then after Summer League, they're, like, tempering the expectations. And I think if you just look at the minutes as they've been delved out through these two preseason games, it's clear as day to me that, at best, he's, like, the fourth guard on the team right now. Like, he's clearly behind DeLon Wright, Monte Morris, and Bradley Beal in the guard rotation. And typically, you only run three guards, four at the most. And that fourth guy is probably going to be Kisper, honestly. Like, I, I, you know, he's going to get minutes. So, it's like the fact now that you got a top 10 pick that is probably not going to play much at all his rookie year. I don't think he's a bust because I think he works too hard. I think he, you know, I think he has too much talent to just and intangible to just bust out of the league. But as I was pre-draft, nothing I've seen now convinces me that he's ever going to be a star. Like, I just don't see it. Like, I don't see him gaining some burst or first step or the ability to create space in shooting combination that all of a sudden he's going to become this efficient 20 plus point per game two guard in the league. I just don't, I don't see it. Um, and I didn't see it before we drafted him. That's why I didn't want them to pick him. Right. Like I just see him maxing out as like another role player. And it's like, here we go again, you know, top 10 pick. Like you need these guys to be impactful, potentially top three roster players and I just don't see Johnny Davis being that for this Wizards team let me ask you this would you consider Otto Porter a bust in hindsight oh man that, that's a tough one because he got hurt like the the Otto Porter that that played in 2016 and 2017 that is not a bust would you prefer a better player an all-star level player Picking number three overall, sure. But that I can't call him a bust. I think what kind of tips it closer to that bust side is the fact that he got hurt. And when you traded him, you basically had to salary dump him because that's how poorly he was performing. Um, you know, a number three pick, 
that's not a guy that six years later you're talking about salary dumping. That should not happen. Um, so I, in that sense, I would say it's a bust. But then, you know, he had those two really productive years that earned him a hundred and six million dollar contract. So I, I would say not a bust, but it damn sure wasn't a hit. The the reason I ask that is because uh, another top 10 pick, uh, picks seven picks higher, which is a big difference in um, in the NBA draft. But the reason I ask is because it took him so long to become a productive player relative to where he was drafted. And then even when he was healthy and did kind of find his role, he still was never, I would say, a top three player on the team because we always had Nene and Gortat, who I remain, both were better than him um, until Gortat left the squad. Maybe not the last year that Gortat was here because Gortat's last year was kind of miserable. Yeah, but for sure. Prior to that, I would have said him or, shit, even Trevor Ariza were both overall better players than he was so i don't know paul pierce that year that one year too um and he was very impactful so yeah like he was never like you know uh, you needed you needed him to be like a chris middleton type player um and he never got to that and then the injuries piled up so he ended up just kind of being you know, uh, uh, one of the best three and D guys in the league for for two seasons, and then that was it. It was pretty much downhill from there. And it's like for a top three pick, you you want a little more. You want a lot more, honestly. Um, but you know, I, I hope I hope better for Johnny Davis. I, I don't think, again, like I said, I don't think he's a bust. I just, you know, I just again, we're gonna look back at this draft. And I can guarantee you it's going to be guys we passed on that are going to make all rookie teams, that are going to end up making all-star teams, and you're going to be sitting there like, damn, we could have had them. Why, why, again, are we kind of stuck with just a middling rotation player as a top 10 pick when we could have had, when other teams have lower picks and they're identifying all-star level talent? Where's the disconnect? It's definitely too early to call him a bust, but I will say that year two will probably be the good evaluation year, at least for NBA players. That's what I go based off. I know in the NFL they say year three, but for NBA, I say year two because I personally like, I think year two is where they make the, the biggest jump. So at least from what I've seen. So we may not learn much about Johnny Davis this season, but but who knows if we're bad and then we end up um, Bradley ends up requesting a trade. And there's a lot of things that could happen to where we see more of Johnny Davis in year two, but it's definitely too early as of now to call him a bus. I certainly am not calling him a bus, but if there were any early indicators that would say that it's not going to go that well, um, we've, we've seen them so far. Uh, We're going to do some Twitter questions and thoughts before we get into the Boston Celtics. So we'll start it off with Riley Richards. Just I'm looking at the top and going down here. What do you think the starting lineup will be versus what you want the starting lineup to be and why? I will let you start with this one. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been saying this, you know, since we first acquired them, but I, I think it's going to be Monte Morris, Beal, uh, Will Barton, Cal Kuzma and then KP. Um, just the familiarity with West. You know, Will Barton again has started over 200 games on a on a playoff team. You know, the last six years of his career with the Nuggets. I just think you know it's just the Wizards thing to do um, because it's a trust factor there. He's a vet. They're trying to make the playoffs this year. Um, I, I just see that as just the, the Wizards thing to do as Will Barton is the starter. But I would prefer that it be either Rui, uh, Denny, or Gafford if they decide to go big. Um, I, I feel like 
you know, again, one of these top 10 picks needs to emerge as a starter. Um, that's why you pick them top 10. Like, you don't pick top 10 to draft an eighth man. Like, that's not, I don't know a single GM that that's getting excited with a top 10 draft pick. They're saying, oh, yeah, I can't wait to draft this guy. He's going to be, you know, a, a great ninth man, eighth man for us. Like, no, like, it's year four for Rui. It's year three for Denny. One of these guys needs to emerge as a starter, and I hope that the coaching staff gives them every opportunity to do that. And so far, it's looking like they have, at least in the case of Rui, Denny has is somewhat at a disadvantage because he's hurt again and he's not playing. So, um, But again, I'm hoping it's one of the young guys. So for me, what I would do at this point, well, actually, my answer is the same for both. I, I think that they are going to start Rui. And I go back to this past season when they were showcasing guys before the deadline. Here's how I look at it with Rui. If he plays well throughout the whole season and you don't get like a decent offer near the deadline, then I think you're pretty comfortable at that point to where you can pay him a decent amount of money because between his rookie year, um, his second year, and then what will be this season, if he plays well enough, and keep showing the the potential to be a, a good three-level scorer, potentially a decent stopper on defense, depending on the matchup. I think that's worth investing. And also, if you're selling him to a team at the deadline, this guy's been starting for us all season, shoots, you know, whatever percent from three, is an excellent mid-range scorer, can run the floor, can finish, run out in transition. You know, I mean, that's a piece that, Potentially, you may be able to get a first-round pick from a team, even if it's protected in some aspect. So I think that they're going to start him, and I think that that's going to be a big reason why. But outside of that, we've already talked about the the size, um, the shooting, the defensive potential. I mean, I, I think that's a good reason to to start a guy like that. So... Um, with those reasons, that is why I think they are going to start Rui. Now, they could have just started him because they were in Japan and it was the the respectful thing to do. And I think that that played a part to an extent, but I also think that he's in legit consideration to start. And I was also watching in the first game, the bench really struggled with instant offense when, when Beal wasn't in. And I know that during the regular season, Brad, KP, Kuzma are going to be above the 30-minute mark, at least it, you would think. So I understand the the need for Barton to come off the bench may not be there, but I think that his role might be be better for that just because it gives you another offensive weapon. And again, once they have their, their full roster of guys and the regular season kicks off, we'll see how they kind of want to manage the rotation and how they want to let that play out. But... I do think that Rui Hachimura is going to end up starting for us. Um, yeah, man, I, I hope so, man. That would be awesome. That would be an awesome development and hopefully a, a, a point in the right direction so we don't have to keep uh, <laughs> revisiting these Soul Wizards decisions. Uh, Hedva Gillian, scouting and drafting. Help me understand what is going on, please. Are they intentionally looking for taller... Mid of the mid, Exhibit A. How is it possible to pass on Maxi and Halliburton? Um, we, I joked about this before we got on. I don't know if we can like explain this. I mean, do you, you probably know more about this? Like, what do what do the Wizards look for? Like, if you're what if you're Tommy Shepard, what are you looking at when you're drafting these players? Because they don't seem to be having as great of an impact as they should relative to their draft value. So what is it that Tommy Shepard looks for in these draft picks, and why do you think the Wizards keep botching this draft process? Yeah, I, I had an opportunity to watch an interview with, between Frank Ross, who's the VP uh, uh, scout or GM um, or player personnel. I, don't, I can't remember his exact title, but he's, he's second to Tommy Shepard. Um, 
and just some of the quotes I've heard from from Tommy and the type of players they've drafted, you know, since 2019, it seems like because even Frank Ross said in his interview that he personally values shooting over everything. And he said coming into this job, that was something that he had to be convinced of is not as important because that's something that can be taught. So it sounds like that's a groupthink philosophy within that org that they can teach shooting. So they don't care if you come into a workout and you brick everything. They seem to value uh, pro experience. So guys that have played in pro leagues at a young age, a la Denny, um, they think that carries over into the NBA as far as you being ready to play earlier on. And then obviously they look at things like your intangibles, your character. I think personally they're trying to get away from uh, the Nick Youngs and the Andre Blatches, uh, kind of that goofiness. Guys who were really, really talented, but their immaturity kept them from reaching the level you thought their talent should, should take them. Um, they're taking guys that have high intangibles, high character, work ethic. Guys, they know they don't have to worry about in the offseason that are low maintenance. And yeah, they might not be the best shooters. They may not be the best. Uh, they might not be the most standout athletes, but they're going to work their ass off. And so, you know, you're not getting a bust product. Um, and that's fine. That's a fine draft philosophy. If you already have a Giannis on your team, if you already have a, a Luka Doncic on your team, um, one of those type talents where, you know, you're just adding, uh, you know, uh, solid pieces that can contribute to a franchise pillar. But you don't have that. You have Bradley Beal, KP, Kuzma. Good players, even great in the case of Bradley Beal, but they're not, to me, pillar guys. And I feel like if you don't have one of those players, you need to be exhausting all options to try to identify a player like that. So you need to 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 prioritize athleticism, length, shooting, the ability to create space. Uh, I just think they don't put those things at the very top because they feel like they can teach those things. And I just I just disagree with that philosophy. Like, I think certain things can't be taught as easily at least on a level for you to be uh, a all-star level player like you can teach somebody to shoot you know catch and shoot threes uh but you can't teach somebody to shoot like a jason tatum or a luka Doncic, sidestep step back contested threes from 30 feet you can't teach that and those guys had that ability on draft day and so you know I just wish they would evaluate their talent uh, from the lens of what the best do in the league today and not kind of this safe, you know, pragmatic route where they feel like they can teach every important skill. From Evan Milberg, would love to hear your guys' take on what Kuz showed in Japan. Seems a lot of fans are having knee-jerk reactions to some questionable shot selection. Um, I would say that I'm not too concerned about it, to be honest. But it, I think it's worth keeping an eye on just because now that Beal's going to be healthy and we're going to be having all three of them when you – include Porzingis into that bunch. It makes you wonder if one of those guys is going to have to be forcing shots. You can already eliminate Brad because the offense is going to run around him. And then the next best player on that list, in my opinion, is Porzingis. So does that leave Kuzma shot hunting? And could that end up turning into a somewhat iffy situation where he's not as efficient as he was to close out last season. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on, but I would say on the, on the base of it, it's, it's preseason and he was just trying to put on a show. 
Yeah, I mean, they're in Japan, man. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of fans over there. Uh, I, I can't read too much into it. I would just say, you know, watching both of the games, there were definitely moments where I was just like, you know, you can get a better shot than that. Like, it felt like he was trying to play, he was playing small again. And all last year, I was just like, you know, play 6'10". When he plays 6'10", he's hard to stop. When he makes a, 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 a effort, a conscious effort to get to that rim, He's a hard, he's a, he's a really, really good player. But when he decides he wants to show, you know, off his guard bag and, and take contested fadeaway, you know, jumpers, it, it can get a little dicey. It can get a little dicey. And, and, it, and I think it, it kind of messes up the flow of the offense. So, you know, I, I hope when the season starts, he'll be a guy that embraces getting to the rim and, and being a playmaker first. Because I think those two things... And then defending, obviously. Um, if he does those three things, he's going to be invaluable to the Wizards. Well, Clayton, curious if y'all think being in year two of Wes's system and adding a point guard in Monte Morris who is familiar with the offense could have a bigger impact than we might be anticipating. The guys looked lost out there at times last year. I definitely do think that that's going to help. Uh, Guys obviously being more familiar, having worked in it already for the most part. Of course, they're probably going to add a little bit now that they've had a full offseason with Porzingis and they have the more tape on him to evaluate to see how they can kind of mix our big three in together along with some of our veterans. So um, I'm sure there'll be some new stuff that we'll see this season that we weren't able to last year because of personnel. But generally speaking, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to be well-adjusted for the most part, especially, you, hopefully, on the defensive end of the floor, which is where, in my opinion, we need to see a bigger improvement. Um, but, yes, Monte Morris, I think, is, is going to be extremely helpful. I think he's going to be better than Dinwiddie. I think he's going to be better than Westbrook. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I think Monte is going to really, really help us out a lot. He seems like a guy that players will respect. and. Um, maybe a guy that Brad and some of the other veterans will will lean on just simply because he's going to have the ball a lot of the time. So, yeah, I mean, I, he's going to help. And from what I saw from these first two games, he, it seems like a seamless fit, which is what we had kind of been saying way before the, the trade even went down. Yeah, he's by far, like, the best shooter they've had at that position um, in a while. Uh, what I do worry about is his ability to kind of break guys down off the bounce and kind of get depth in the lane to draw defenders in and then you can kick out because I didn't see a lot of that. Um, but, you know, I feel like with having Beal on the team, that right, he would right. be more so the guy breaking the defense, getting into the, the paint because um, then Monte can really play off the ball. And can shoot that three ball. That he, he has a beautiful jump shot. He's really crafty with floaters and things like that. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see how that kind of develops. Uh, you know, getting that depth in the paint and, and getting you know collapsing the defense. So, but but yeah, he he can shoot that ball, man. He he's he's a really good shooter. Yeah, that was going to be my point with with Beal Kuzma KP. He doesn't. It's not really going to be a requirement from the point guard position to, to years past where it was pretty much we needed Dinwiddie to be the second best player on the team. We needed Westbrook to be the second best player on the team. And, of course, neither of them ended up being that. So uh, this year I don't think that he needs to be that guy, and he's that perfect addition to where he can play off ball, uh, the best shooter from the position that we've seen in a while, like you said. So, um, yeah, at that, that position we said – have some more stability this season and more production overall. I think it'll lead to um, Rico seven, nine, eight, seven, nine, nine, eight, zero. How deep is the roster? What can we expect from the bench players this year? What does the bench rate compare to the rest of the NBA? Um, I'll let you take this one first. Uh, I think the, the latter part of that question is going to be a little difficult to answer right now, just because like I can't think of, a lot of other teams' benches. I mean, I could, but it's a lot to go through. 30 teams kind of, like, on the spot. But um, I'll let you take this one. Yeah, I mean, uh, we kind of touched on this earlier. I mean, with the starters, 
I mean, it's, to kind of give a projection on the bench, we got to kind of know who the starters are. I'll, I'll use your starting lineup for, for the sake of argument. Um, you know, with Rui being the starter there, I, I expect Bill to kind of be back to his his normal self where he's not trying to be a point guard. He's just he's just being a bucket getter. Um and close out games, get buckets and and guard your man. Uh I expect KP to do KP things. Like you just saw it specifically that second preseason game. That dude is just I mean, when he catches it high post, you can forget about it. Like he's so damn tall. Like he just turns around and just flicks it up and it's just like you're not even there. Um, so I I expect him to be 20 and 10, like, like he's always been like, I, you know, just easily. Um, and I think the question marks though, are kind of the forwards, Kuzma, Rui, um, and then kind of where Monte fits in that as far as their shot attempts and then just what role they willing, they're willing to embrace. Um, but yeah, I expect them to have solid seasons, man. I, I I actually like the starting group a lot. It's just that the the conference is so deep, you just don't you don't know. It's hard to really project it. Um, and as far as the bench unit, as I said earlier, I think it could be a top half of the league group easily. If you got Will Barton coming off that bench, um, you know that second game he did exactly what you want him to do. Like he just got off the bench. I think he had like nine points in ten minutes. Like he's just you just give him the ball and get out the damn way. Um, the dude is a bucket. He yeah, he, he he he's a he's a bucket, man. So I you know, if you got him coming off the bench, you got Denny there with his defense and, and versatility, you got Kispert with his shooting, uh DeLon Wright with his defense and disruptor like abilities uh in the passing lanes, and then Daniel Gaffer, who was a starter for us at one point, you got him now coming off the bench and just being active and and his energy and bounce. Like, that's a really, really good bench, man. That For a lot of teams, you know, that's damn near starting five. So, you know, I, I'll take it. I, I think that would definitely be one of the top half of the league benches for sure. Captain Bubba83, thank you for the question on Johnny Davis. We already talked about it. Um, Alex Wynn, 2477432 um the nba has to travel slash build japan um and the 36ers i didn't watch that game between the 36ers and phoenix but i'll say that one dude who was the the lefty who was lighting it up the wizards need to be talking to him to to get him to to come play some some minutes on this roster he was he was legit tough that that other guy too i don't know their names i don't remember both those guys are pretty damn good. As a, as it relates to the NBA building Japan, I mean, I think that the NBA is pretty good about their their global presence, and I think that that's going to continue to get even more established in the coming years, which I'm really excited for. Um, we know that soccer is the most popular sport around the world, but maybe, maybe we're kind of seeing somewhat of a shift, and maybe basketball one day will kind of take more of the the as the global sport the most popular sport to play on earth which is what i would love to see because it's my sport so um but i definitely agree that they they need to continue to to build up japan but did you watch that 36ers game at all see highlights anything like that i didn't watch it i just saw the highlights and man them, them dudes can shoot it wasn't even just the two main guys like their whole team was firing man like, they were firing from, like, 30, 35 feet comfortably. Like, they would just bring it up to court and just pull up. Like, it was crazy. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm like, man, is this the future of the NBA? Everybody just coming down, stopping, popping from three, 35 feet out? Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was actually, it was wild to see. You know, they, they put up, like, 140-something points, if I'm not mistaken. Um. So they were they were shooting that thing, but yeah, I mean, shoot, Wizards need shooting. Like I, you know, if them dudes shooting like that in a pro league, shoot, bring them on in, see what they can do. Um, Adam Thomas surprises from Japan. I have none. Do you have any? I guess Rui was a surprise to me. I wasn't expecting him to look like that, honestly. Uh. 
I, I, I just really wasn't expecting him to look like that. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you one surprise that maybe is not a surprise to a lot of people, but a, a, lots and lots of individuals um, forgot about James Wiseman, and he looked pretty damn elite when he was on the floor. So um, good for him working back from injury, and that's the kind of piece that the Warriors need. If, if Kayvon Looney isn't good with the the rim protection, is not getting finishes inside if they're boxing up the perimeter with Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, you need someone down low who can be an enforcer. And I think that Wiseman is that is that perfect piece. Um, we know that Looney can rebound, but we know that he's not the the most athletic individual and sometimes it's not necessarily the best finisher. So um, James Wiseman has a chance to to be a really impactful player for the for the the Warriors this season. Yeah, for sure. And they're definitely taking their time with him, which I can I can respect. Um Um, Boston. So continuing our team previews, we already dealt with Miami. Uh, so we'll do the Boston Celtics and then we'll do the Milwaukee Bucks next episode. Um, Boston, I think, got marginally better. Uh, if we'll, we'll get into the coaching and all that because I, I think that that's going to have a, a big impact and sort of the drama surrounding them all season. Maybe that ends up taking its toll. But um, look, they got uh, Gallinari, who shouldn't be out for a long time, right, um, with that meniscus tear. I think, how long were they saying he was going to be out? I didn't think it was that terribly long. Or, or is he out for the season? I don't know. Well, he was out for the year, which is why they went and got Blake Griffin. Oh. Uh, I thought I saw something I mean, where someone had four their but yeah, I don't know. Let me look at it. I, I got it right here in front of me. Uh, yeah, like he he tore his his ACL. Like he's done. Okay. Yeah. He, what I saw, like, I saw some. I saw something somewhere. Someone had torn their meniscus, but was was like going to be back in like four months or something like that. So I was like, I okay. Maybe it was football, because that's probably more common in football. Yeah, they initially thought it was his MCL, but then they, they X-rated again, and they saw it was his ACL. Uh, so, okay. yeah, he he's done for the year. That, that's why I think they went and got Blake Griffin in. If you remember, Blake Griffin played well against the Celtics in that series when they got swept. Uh, he definitely wasn't why they got swept. <laughs> um, Let me pull up their roster real quick, because I know that they got pretty better i would say uh malcolm brogdon the other big addition yeah. for them in the off season so i think he's he's probably going to come off the bench right because they're yeah. probably still going to start marcus smart at point guard um obviously you just brought it up blake griffin who i i honestly don't think much of i mean we can go down the list here um justin jackson cabin gelly um jake layman Luka Samanich, Noah Vonley. I mean, really, if you take out Gallinari, they probably didn't improve a whole lot, but at least they added some more bodies in the building to to try and help their bench out a little bit because that was the one thing that stuck out in the postseason was they just didn't have enough bench talent. Uh, Derek White certainly helped, but they still need a little bit more. Because I think the only three players they really played off the bench were him, um, Peyton Pritchard, and then uh, who else I'm missing? Was it Daniel Tice, maybe? I forget who else it was. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I, I'm, I'm looking at their depth chart now, and I'm seeing, you know, Robert Williams, you know, he had that, uh, that sur surgery on his knee, and he's going to be out for like four months. So... Uh, it's, to me, it's it's gonna be a lot on Al Horford. Like Al Horford was amazing last year. Like he, to me, had low key one of the best seasons of his career last year. Um, can you bank on that to happen again? Especially with Robert Williams hurt to start the year, start half the year. Like I, you know, they're gonna need they're gonna need him to ball like like ball like he balled last year. But now playing against starters at the center spot. Uh, because before the Robert Williams injuries, I would have said 
the, the Celtics had the best probably nine, ten-man rotation in the league to me because you got Marcus Smart, you got Derek White, Brogdon, Jalen Brown, Tatum, Grant Williams, Al Horford, Rob Will, now Blake Griffin, Gallo. Like, that is a mean 10, 11 guys. Um, but they're dealing with injuries. And then that's not even talking the email stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to put – you're going to have Al Horford playing center. You're going to probably have to play some Blake Griffin at center. Um, but it's they're going to be good. I just don't know if they're going to be as good as – Maybe some people are projecting. Let me see what they've because I, I don't know if they've played a preseason game yet or not. Have they played one? Because I was going to see who they were starting at uh, for their five man or their four. However, they switched it up. Let me see. Uh, where's Boston? I don't see Boston on here. Maybe they haven't played a game yet. Well, yeah, they did. They played Charlotte, and they started. Oh, they started Derek White. Um, so they went with Tatum at the four, Brown at the three. So that's probably what they'll do to start the regular season. Um, so maybe this team, who knows? And that, and that takes away a bench piece. So now their bench is basically Malcolm Brogdon, Peyton Pritchard when they played the same position. Grant Williams was who I was thinking of, by the way, the other guy that they would play off the bench. I was like, they're playing eight guys, and I can't think of the third, but um, Grant Williams. So it's basically Malcolm Brogdon, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, and friends. So it's basically the the same kind of situation last year where they can basically only seriously go about eight deep because I don't consider Blake Griffin that useful at this point with his skill set. So... I'm not really considering him like a major upgrade for their bench. And then now with Robert Williams being out, that takes some size out of their starting lineup. So that leaves them more vulnerable in the paint where I feel like last season between Robert Williams and Al Horford, and then you were able to to play Tatum and Brown on the wings to, to beef up there. Now that perhaps leaves them a little bit more exposed. So Mix that in with the the coaching drama. Perhaps they really just don't have as good a start to to the season, and they really didn't have. Well, they had an awful start last year, but obviously they eventually caught on to to go to the finals. But perhaps this year is is much of the same, where they just don't um, they they don't have a good start to the season for the the reasons that we just touched on. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, how they start with all the drama surrounding the team. And like I say, with the injuries, uh, you know, they're going to have to they're going to have to plug, you know, some guy is going to have to lean in, lean in on Grant Williams and Al Horford a little more. And I, I'm not sure that, that that's a recipe for, you know, a 60 plus, you know, 55 plus win team. And then the, the conference is just deeper. Uh, you know, every night you're facing a team that could possibly make the playoffs with the exception of maybe three teams in the East. Um, so it's going to be a gauntlet, man. The Wizards do play the Celtics on Halloween Eve, and then we play the, the Sixers on Halloween. But we'll get an early look at the, the Celtics to kind of see how we potentially match up with them the, especially going down this yeah, I mean, if we boss in the paint, if Porzingis is getting whatever he wants, if we're able to beat guys off the bounce and, and get to the rim, I mean, th- that's going to be something you can come away and say legit, even though it's early in the season, and say, okay, we have a legit advantage there. Um, so we'll see with Boston. But, um, yeah, now that we're looking over things with Gallinari being out, um, the their coaching change, I mean – this team really could be like maybe five or, or six this season. Now, maybe they'll, the if they can play to their strengths, if Robert Williams comes back and has a, a really good year, I mean, that they could probably still finish top four and be in the Eastern Conference Finals discussion. But um, being without Gallinari, I think, is really going to hurt them. So... Because Gallinari is about like if they if Gallinari was healthy going into the season, I mean they would unquestionably be the number one seed for me 
going into the season, even with the coaching change. But now that they have some guys missing to start the season, I'm not sure if they'll be able to get off to such a hot start. So I still think they'll be better than the Wizards, but at least we'll get an early matchup for them to say, okay, like maybe actually even with the injuries, and I know it's injuries and you never want to like hope that guys are injured or anything, but you can say, okay, these guys are hurt. Let's try to take advantage and maybe we can be better than the Celtics um, for those reasons. Um, is there anything you would like to touch on with Boston before we cut this one out? I mean, we played them how many times this year? Is it three or four? I don't know. I think it's three, right? Maybe not. Celtics one, two, three. Yeah, we only play them three times this year. So given that we play them early on in the season, I'm actually going to give the Wizards a, a two-to-one split. I think that's what I would roll with as of right now. Interesting. Yeah, I think KP, with KP, you definitely have an advantage on that paint in the post. Because um, that's just a lot for Al Horford and possibly Grant Williams to deal with. Uh, you should be able to get them in foul trouble pretty, er- pretty early. Um, and then Rob Williams is their best shot blocker, so you take him off the rim, that leaves driving lanes for Beal. So it's just going to be a matter of how we defend and, and shoot the ball. But it'll be it'll be interesting, I, you know. But I like their team. Absolutely. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we cut this one? Oh, that was all I got, man. Um, I'm just glad basketball is back. Yeah, same. Um, At least it's – I'm actually enjoying football this year because the Giants finally have good coaching, which has led to some wins. Even though we haven't played, like, the the best opponents, we'll see what happens when we play the Packers on Sunday. But um, these are games that the last three, four years, we would be 0-4 right now. So – um, I've been able to enjoy football season and I don't have to be like, okay, can the Wizards get here, please? Because that's never a good thing. Whenever you're having to to beg for the Wizards to be back, that means football season is not going good. So I'm sure a lot of the Commanders fans right now are like, yes, please, Wizards, because they're such a disaster. Um, but at least I've been able to enjoy football season so far. Um, so, yep, that's going to go ahead and do it for us today. If you're not already subscribed, please make sure that you are. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. That's going to do it for us today, and we will see you next time.